Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Elizabeth Kristoff, who is an expert in using applied neurology to move people out of pain, unwanted behavior, and stress response. She is the founder of Brain-Based Wellness, a revolutionary online platform that trains the nervous system and body to resolve old patterns, improve performance, and increase well-being. Elizabeth is a certified applied neurology practitioner who has been in the fitness and movement industry since 2007. We have so much to talk about here today, Elizabeth, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. Absolutely. I'm excited for you to be on the show. So Elizabeth, I know you are an abundant wealth of knowledge about applied neurology, fitness, and movement. But before we jump in to your professional background, I'd like for you to tell the listeners just a bit about your personal background, where you grew up, and how some of your life experiences might have contributed to your professional passions. Yes, so I have been a mover my whole life. That's really what I used from a very early age to regulate my nervous system. Of course, I didn't know that at the time, but intuitively, I come from a background of, I have a pretty high ACE score, which stands for adverse childhood experience. So I have some trauma in my background. I was born in Germany to a really big family. Um, and then there was some abuse and a lot of violence between my mom and my dad that happened there. And so my mom left with me when I was three and a half and we moved to Texas where she was from. And my life changed very suddenly overnight. All of my family was gone. Um, I didn't speak the language. My mom was working a lot because she was a single mom who had to support us. So I was pretty isolated and bored and lonely a lot of the time growing up and had a lot of attachment disorders that developed her. And so um, I learned at an early age that by moving, by going for long walks, I could express some of that stress and emotions. I always had these really big emotions and I learned to express them through movement. And so I've always been passionate about movement and it's been really what my whole career has been focused on. I first started my first business in 2007. It was a Pilates studio here in Austin. As soon as I finished grad school, I knew that that's what I wanted to go into. And so I grew that business for 12 years. And during that time was when I found applied neurology. I knew that I wanted to also include the nervous system and the brain and movement training, that that was a really important part of our athletic performance and how we experience pain in our body. And so I started studying with an applied neurology institute in Arizona and really fell in love with it and started to incorporate applied neurology into movement practice, into pain management and rehab and athletic performance, and then grew that knowledge to now understand the importance of our nervous system in all of our life experiences, in our behaviors, in our sense of well-being. And now I use applied neurology for, for so much more than just movement, but also to address mindset, behavior change, and just the way we live in the world. Right. Well, I certainly appreciate you sharing your journey and 
how that kind of evolved. And yet you still had this recognition early on or this intuition about how movement or kinetics really played a part of your life. So um, from, very, from a very early age. Now, my next question was going to step into the whole idea and whole subject area of applied neurology, because that is your passion, how you brought that together with wellness and fitness and movement and kinetics, so to speak. So tell us, can you just in layman's terms, break down applied neurology for the listeners? Yes. So applied neurology is basically taking the latest in neuroscience research and making it into very practical tools that people, that everyday people can use to train their nervous system. And it's especially focused on the input system. So the eyes, the balance system in the inner ear, your sensory systems, like your skin, your touch, and your body mapping system, the receptors inside of your joints that tell your brain where your body is in space. So there's actually really practical tools that you can use to make those systems function better because our nervous system is always changing. It's very malleable, our brain and our nervous system, and it responds to the stimulus that we give it. And so we can create change in our nervous system that moves us in a, in a positive direction. And so if we train our nervous system regularly to create better input coming into the brain through those systems with intentional training, just like you would train your muscles in the gym. So your vision starts to get better, your balance system in your inner ear starts to get better. And then that's giving better information to your brain. And our brain's primary job is our survival. And it's always taking in that sensory information, it's integrating it, and then it's making a decision to produce an output with our survival at the forefront of that decision. So our brain is always deciding safe or unsafe. Mm. And if that information coming into the brain is clearer, it has a better idea of where your body is in space, it has a better idea of the world around you, then your brain can do its primary job with more ease and less stress, which is to make those predictions to keep you alive. So as we heal the deficits in the nervous system and we make those systems function better, then on a second by second basis, our nervous system and our brain feel safer at their primary task. And we experience Experience less protective outputs of a brain and a nervous system that's under too much threat. Oh my gosh, what an incredible explanation. I love how you explain the brain and the neurology and the applied neurology here. The brain is really a primal organ. So as you begin to teach it and it becomes familiar with what it's learning that's how it's adapting. It's kind of like DNA. We are born with DNA. We are born with the brain, but how we want the, our DNA to be expressed is something very, very unique. And so again, I think you're speaking to that in your explanation where how you want your brain to express, so to speak. I, I just love it. Yeah, exactly. So our, you know, many of these responses are very instinctual, very ancient responses, our survival response, just like you're talking about. But if we can make our brain feel safer, then it, it it's going to give us more 
range of motion. It's going to give us more strength in our muscles. It's going to give us better ability to be present and connected to other people, to speak and use our voice. When our brain is under too much stress for too long, a little bit of stress is fine. We need a little bit of stress to cause adaptation. And we are never supposed to flatline. We're supposed to kind of oscillate through those stress states. But when we're under chronic stress and the threat level that our brain and our nervous system is under is too high for too long, then our brain starts to know that that's dangerous. It can lead to chronic inflammation, autoimmune disease, all kinds of bad things can come from chronic stress. And our, our old brain and our nervous system have that ancient wisdom to know that. And so they will start to produce outputs to try to get us to change our behavior, to keep our world smaller and to keep us what our brain perceives as safe. So maybe it creates pain because if you're experiencing pain, you're going to work out less, you're going to take smaller steps, you're going to engage with the world less, and then that's less stimulus coming in. And for that moment at that time, that is safer for your brain. Maybe it gives you migraines so that you go lay down and you turn off the lights and you really reduce the amount of stimulus coming in. Maybe depression, maybe anxiety, anything that your, your behavior is your brain's best way to either give you the stimulus that your nervous system needs to regulate or to reduce the overall amount of stimulus coming in so that you're safer, so that you're under less stress and your brain doesn't have to regulate that stress as much if the amount of stimulus coming in is less. That is so interesting. You know, it just makes me go back to my neurology classes in my doctoral program. And it makes me think about the frontal lobe and the learning and thinking brain. And then the, the back side of your brain where you're going into more of that amygdala, that fight and flight response. And so, and that really is that more primal area, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, and that frontal lobe is really that thoughtful, you know, how are we going to approach our day? What does this look like? And we start rationalizing and understanding and whatnot. And so it really makes me think about a lot of this. There's so many complexities here and the brain is so complex in itself. Of course, we don't know everything about the brain and we're always learning. Um, that is why, as you said, you continue to learn and your range of understanding becomes more clear as you stay up on this research. So I, I absolutely can appreciate this and love this, this concept in this talk. I mean, we all have a brain. So how do we perform better? How do we stay more healthy and well, so to speak, by understanding the brain Mm -hmm. and input, output, the movement, kinetics, and the messages, the messages it is sending us to trigger Mm -hmm. us to do something, whether or not it's a response to an exterior factor, something internal, an internal stress that we are creating Mm -hmm. based on our thoughts based on our movement, based on our, what's happening around us in our environment. So there's so many factors here that play a part of how we actually change that neurology or change the expression rather of that neurology. So, yeah, it's, you know, like there's two things that I think you touched on that are really important. One is that it's really empowering to understand that we have some agency over the way our nervous system Mm -hmm. is changing and that there's 
practical tools like you can train your respiration, you can train your eyes, these things that are really important to your brain's sense of safety to create a different change because it can feel so frustrating when you get stuck in those loops of unwanted behavior or loops of pain or loops of mm -hmm. depression. And like you try all this stuff cognitively and you just can't override the system mm -hmm. until you give the system new and different input to experience right. new output. And then also too, like you mentioned, learning to listen to the signals that our body is sending us and starting to flip our way of thinking about it instead of our body working against us to hold us back, that our body is really our ally and it's trying to keep us safe. And it starts with these smaller, quieter signals, like maybe it's a little bit of pain in your left knee or some tension in your jaw. But then as we keep overriding those signals and pushing ourselves into states of dysregulation with too much stress or unwanted behavior, self-soothing mechanisms, then those signals have to get louder and louder to get our attention until it can be really damaging behavior or really extreme pain or migraines or even sometimes disease. So cultivating that skill of learning to listen to your body and then taking an action to help your nervous system regulate, to help your body process stress through when you first start to hear those little signals can be so beneficial because then you get better and better at not having these big oscillations into hypervigilance or into shutdown. So critical, these points you touch on to remember, because I think one of the things we do as humans it's just organic, it's very natural that we tend to override or overlook many of these signals. As you said, the brain will give those gentle signals like a slight knee pain or a, a tinge of something in the arm or a headache perhaps, and we brush it aside and we brush it aside and we continue to do that until the brain says, uh-uh, no more, <laughs> you're gonna listen. You're going to listen to what I have to say. And that knee that was gentle and there was a little bit of pain, it's not going to work well today. You're going to have a limp. You're going to do blah, 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 right? So things are going to happen. And that starts compounding. That starts getting louder, as you said. But I, what I really appreciate here is the practical application. That is so critical. And, and the recognition. So when you work with clients and... They say, I'm experiencing A, B, or C. Do you teach them the practical tips on how to just recognize things in their body? Because there are a lot of people that, you know, I've encountered, I've worked in the mental health field for many years in the human services field, and it's been overlooked. Many of these symptoms or many of the things that you're talking about continue to be overlooked. I think because many times, People can be in a state of trauma or stress where it's like it, they're in that fight and flight response mode continuously. So the brain is like functioning at the highest level where eventually it's going to be like, I'm shutting down. And that's the disease. Yeah. That's when the brain shuts down. That's when from a clinical perspective, really start depressing, really having extreme anxiety. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the first thing I have to start with, with people is making it safe to come into their own body because many of us through trauma or life experience get dissociated from our own body. We live in a culture that dissociates us from our own body to a large extent and that certain emotions are thought of as bad and you don't want to feel them. So you want to avoid that for either societal reasons or trauma or just what you learned in your family systems, those deep beliefs that get ingrained. And so most people come in pretty disconnected from their body. And so when I ask them to just take a moment and drop from their head down into their body and tell me what they feel, they have no idea. They, they can't do that. And then for some people, it really causes a lot of anxiety and stress to even try. Their body just doesn't even feel safe. So we start with doing a lot of things like stimulating the vagus nerve, which is a really important cranial nerve. It's the only cranial nerve that goes from your brainstem down into your body, into your guts, all the way down into your pelvis. And it's really responsible for giving your brain the signals that your body is sending up from your organs. And it has a lot to do with the autonomic system, the autonomic nervous system, your fight and flight or your calm and respond. And so a lot of times with stress, the vagus nerve gets damaged and then it becomes very difficult to read those signals that your body is sending you. And then also it becomes very difficult to get back into more of a parasympathetic, a calm and respond state. So we do a lot of vagus nerve stimulus. We do a lot of respiration training so that you can breathe more efficiently, more appropriate for whatever you're doing so that you're not upper chest breathing all the time so that it's possible to take diaphragmatic breaths. And if we can just just get the vagus nerve to function better and get the breathing system to function better, then that makes a huge impact in how safe the brain and the nervous system feel at a very physiological level on a second by second basis. And then then it's possible to start to drop down and start to listen to those signals, start to come into your body. Um, but you have to create safety first. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that safety and then leads to recognition because there is a lot of fear. Oh, many people are already functioning in fear. And so to, as you said, we've been conditioned from years and years and years. What are the messages? It's okay. Don't cry. Just deal with it. These are common phrases that we hear growing up. We've been conditioned. So it's not like, well, stop, embrace, understand, work through those more gentle messages, right? Yeah, I experienced that so much in, in my own life. You know, at, growing up, I stayed in a pretty dysregulated state my whole childhood. I just didn't know it. And then as I got older, and even though I was a mindful movement practitioner, I had Pilates studios, I also trained as an athlete my whole life. So I was really disconnected from my body and used to pushing through pain. And then being in that stuck state of hypervigilance also really pushed me deep into workaholism and to tying a lot of my identity and my safety to the business. And so for that over a decade, I was in that business, just running myself into the ground all the time. And I would have these periods where I would shut down for days at a time or get migraine until eventually the, the symptoms got so bad that something had to give. And, and eventually I ended up losing the business, but I would go through periods of severe binge eating, migraine shutdown, sometimes even start to to black out or like throw up in my Starbucks cup as I'm driving to work. And 
And all of these were just the signals of my body getting louder and louder as I continued to push into that dysregulation. And there was some deep healing that needed to occur. And I had to come back to my body, but first I had to make it safe to come back to my body. And then I could start to process the emotions and the stress and utilize the things I learned in cognitive therapy. Um, but I also had to regulate and make the body safe again. Thank you so much for giving that example of what that looks like and what, what process you had to go through to really create that regulation again, that healthy regulation within your body by utilizing uh, cognitive approaches. Do you use EMDR as well? I use EFT tapping, um, which is very similar to EMDR, um, to kind of rewire some of those early memories and process that stress of those early memories through. And then I also have neuro drills that I do before and after I do a tapping session and some really simple neuro drills could just be as easy as slowing down your breath. So breathing in through your nose, pursing your lips, like you're Mm -hmm. breathing out of a straw and making your exhalation twice as long as your inhalation and just starting to slow the exhale down to change back into more of a parasympathetic state, taking about one minute of those breaths so that I can re-regulate. And then something to stimulate my vagus nerve. And that can be as simple as, you know, the vagus nerve activates the back of the tongue Mm -hmm. and there's some other important cranial nerves that activate the tongue. So I do actually a lot of training for the tongue, which sounds kind of funny, but like making big circles with your tongue over your teeth, keeping Mm -hmm. your mouth closed and trying to go a little bit further back each time again, while you're practicing that nice, slow exhalation and just doing that for about a minute. And if I can couch my emotional processing in some really practical nervous system regulation tools, then it also helps my body start to feel like, okay, not only am I just safer in the moment, but also as I go back and I revisit these memories, it's safe to feel these emotions and I can re-regulate after without having to turn to a a coping mechanism that maybe is harmful to me at some point to to regulate at the end of that. I absolutely appreciate these practical tips. Reason being is because when you start using something new on a more common or frequent basis, it becomes habit. And so when you can actually use these simple tips, which are so helpful that we just don't know about, you can do this throughout your day. It's not something where you have to go, I need to take 15 minutes out and I need to go and do this. No, you actually can sit at your desk or you can actually, while you're walking on the treadmill or while you're running, you can actually do these practical tips to cause that that regulation to really feel better. And what people, I guess, sometimes overlook is when we are in these states of stress, our minds just kind of shut down and start, we go into the disassociative phase, as you said. We do disassociation all the time when we're driving, perhaps going from A to B to C because it's Mm -hmm. such a routine, right? But when we get into this routine of high stress, which we don't recognize many times, which is a routine for many people, we do not do these regulation things. We do not know what they are or how to do it. So these practical tips that we can implement into our day without having to take a break necessarily 
is really something important. I, I'm just yeah. fascinated by it. I love it. I think it's an incredible way to really help be in the moment, be present, and to really get back to that level of functioning in wellness. Yeah, it's, it is so important to be able to make it in real time, right? Because stress lives in the, in the real world. Like we can have our morning practice and I am a huge believer in having a morning practice and doing meditation and breath work. And, but you also need stuff that you can do in the moment when the stress occurs, because that's when we really need to regulate so that we don't have that emotional reactivity. We don't have the shutdown. We don't engage in the unwanted behavior. And there are practical tools based on brain science that you can use to give stimulus to your nervous system that's going to help it to regulate and not have the same reaction keep occurring so that overall you start to train that new response in by giving yourself the tools to, to change what your normal reaction would be. Oh, this is fantastic. I love your area of expertise. It's so fascinating what you do, the practical application, just the science behind it. It is so fascinating. So thank you so much for explaining this, going into such depth about your own background, the examples and the application. Now, if people were interested in working with you, do you work in person and do you work virtually with people? I just work virtually, although now as the world is starting to open up, maybe we'll have some in-person events, but I have that virtual platform, Brain-Based Wellness, mm -hmm. and we do, I, I get on the site every day and live and we do nervous system training and we do movement training in community because I think it's really great to have knowledge of all of these things, but if you don't use them, it doesn't help. So having, I, that's why I really wanted a membership site where people could show up. We could be there live together. We could support each other. It goes on the on-demand afterwards too. So if you can't make it, then it's there, but I really want this to be something that people actually use and implement into their life on a, on a daily basis. And then I also do small group neuro coaching and I do have some private clients where we use applied neurology. We use somatic practices, just like being intuitively moving, feeling movement through our bodies, being inquisitive about the movement that our body wants to do to express emotions. And then we do a little bit of subconscious reprogramming and like EFT tapping to process old beliefs and old experiences through so that we can have a different reaction. Oh, that's fantastic. I love what you offer. As we come to the close of the interview, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? If you feel frustrated, like you're trying to push through to another level of being in your life and you feel like you're getting held back by a body that's working against you, there is another way. There is a way to experience and process things through the body and to change the operating system, to change the nervous system in a positive direction so that you can have a new experience. And it's normal to come up against these. It's our brain's primary job is to try to keep us safe. It's just your brain and your body doing the best that it can to keep you alive. But you have options, you have agency, and there are new tools that you can use to get a different outcome. Well, thank you for that, Elizabeth, and for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to be here. And I love the work that you do. And just excited to be in this community. Thank you so much. 
If you would like to connect with Elizabeth Kristoff, you can find her on IG at E.L. Kristoff, on Facebook at Brain-Based Wellness, and at her website, brainbased-wellness.com. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.